Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from this week's NASCAR race. This week, the Bristol Dirt Race. Hello and welcome, thanks for tuning in. My name is Connor and I am your host of the Top 5. This week we are breaking down my top 5 takeaways from the Bristol Dirt Race. And if you like what you hear, don't like what you hear, drop me a line. You can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the top five, all spelled out, T-H-E-T-O-P-F-I-V-E. You can search the top five on Facebook, or you can send me an email, connorbruin at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-O-R. B as in boy, R-U-E-N, at gmail.com. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. Number one. So first and foremost, the Bristol Dirt Race is a gimmick. It makes no sense to me. It is my least favorite race of the year. I was bummed out after the race last year, and even more bummed when I found out that they were bringing it back this year. I really, really hope this is the last year that we see the Bristol Night Race. Or, I'm sorry, the Bristol Dirt Race. Uh, The fact that it was on Easter Sunday was also a huge bummer to me. I had to record it and watch it later, which is fine, but then you're stuck living in the bubble where I can't look at any social media because I don't want to find out anything. Uh, But the whole thing is just a sham. First of all, they're taking one of my favorite tracks, one of the best tracks on the circuit we get to see two races at this track per year and they're covering it in dirt for what for why and then they're making it a 250 lap race that is asinine it makes no sense why are you changing everything for one event the non-competitive pit stops, red flags at the end of stage breaks. Uh, it, didn't we just make major changes in NASCAR with the way the cars are made? The, the new-gen car is supposed to make it fair for everyone with the single lug, and um, pit teams can make a bigger impact. We're just wiping that all away for for what? To run on dirt? These cars are not meant to run on dirt. They're not uh, light enough. They're too heavy to run on dirt. And if you want to see your favorite drivers run on dirt, you can. They do. Most of them do off, you know, off races where they run on dirt. Or if NASCAR is going to change so much about the race, they changed how they qualified for this race, which made no sense. If they're going to change everything, then make the teams bring an actual dirt car. Let's see real, you know, quarter midgets or something with a huge wing and the high downforce. Let's see those run. That might actually be interesting. That would be akin to a road course where you would have specialists coming in just for that race. So, admittedly, going into this race and while watching this race, I was less than excited that said 
having DW back in the booth was awesome. I absolutely love DW. He was my favorite. Having him start the race with boogity, boogity, boogity. The only thing that could have made it better if they brought uh, Larry Mack up there too. And I get, uh, you know, he's he had a long career and he was in the booth for 20 years and he deserves his time to relax, but man, do I miss hearing DW in the booth. So with all that, it's finally time for the race. So let's get on to my second point. Number two. So the race got underway and there was a lot of uh, questions on whether or not it would even happen due to the fact that there was a lot of weather in the area. But stage one got underway. Uh, It wasn't too exciting. Except for on lap 49, Chase Briscoe had a uh, flat. He spun and brought out the caution. Now, that's kind of a big, uh, big deal because in the standard racing, he would have been far worse off than in the current system or the rules that were in place for Bristol highly impacted that. It froze the field and allowed him to change a tire and that will come into play. We'll, we'll get to why that was such a big issue or such a big thing later on uh larson won stage one and then some big names uh in stage two had trouble something went wrong with hamlin's car he went to the garage uh bowman had back-to-back spins uh probably because he's a race car driver not a dirt race driver but i, I don't know maybe something else crazy The second spin took Harvick out. His uh, right front tire was basically pointing sideways. So you had big name drivers uh, really struggling and having issues with both their cars and with racing on a makeshift surface that made no sense. And I I hate to admit this, but I have to agree with uh, Kyle Busch, who said racing on dirt sets the series back. I agree. Watching big name drivers, which really that's what NASCAR is all about is their big names, their big stars. Watching them struggle really set the sport back. But at the end of stage one, uh, Suarez did not pit along with a few others and the weather was moving in and it seemed like the race was to halfway, 125. Now think about that for a minute. Halfway at Bristol, 125 laps. That's crazy to me. But that's where it seemed the race was going. Uh, and then the rain came down. And I thought at that point that Suarez was going to pull off the upset. But they got the track back going. Even after some hard rain. Uh, at one point, during caution laps, Christopher Bell literally just slid sideways down the track. And my stomach dropped when that happened. I thought, what a miserable joke this has to be. There's nobody that is in the NASCAR organization that thought this idea up that could possibly think that this is a good idea when you have a NASCAR Cup Series car sliding sideways down a muddy track. 
But I guess they got the track back to raceable condition. And, uh, you know, DW had the Vortex going. And they were able to get the race back going. Seeing these drivers in pit road, by the way, with um, dusters, dusting the inside of their their windshields was embarrassing. I can only imagine how much money these guys get paid per race to sit there with a little dollar store duster trying to make the inside of their uh, their windshield clean. Pathetic. Uh, another notable was seeing Cody Ware got real mad at, at, uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott ran him over and, uh, really Kurt Busch got the worst of that, but Cody Ware was pissed. If you're going to try and get fans in, in this sport, messing with Chase Elliott's not a good way to go about that. So the race continued on. Reddick and Briscoe were racing. Reddick had the best car by far. Briscoe was trying to get to him. They had a couple of second lead on everyone. And Briscoe went for, in my opinion, a very unnecessary dive bomb. Incredibly unnecessary. Took out Briscoe. Kyle Busch came around, got the win. <sighs> Kyle Busch is the sole subject of my next bike my next point i I just like kyle bush so much that he's actually going to take up an entire point of my podcast number three i don't like kyle bush i don't like him one bit i don't like that he plays the role of villain i don't like that he's embraced that i respect him as a driver I'm sure he's a good husband and father. I I don't know. I don't know him. But I don't like the guy. He looks like a... I'm trying to think of a substitute for a foul word so that Apple doesn't give me an explicit uh, label. He looks like a jerk. He acts like a jerk. And he talks like a jerk. And what bothers me the most is double-talking. If Kyle Busch had gotten this win and just gotten on the mic afterwards and and just said, sometimes you get lucky, that's the way it goes, I would have said, yeah, can't argue with him there. I'm not going to disrespect that take. But after complaining that Bowman backed into a win, a win in which Bowman did not back into, by the way, but complaining and, and having a little hissy fit that Bowman backed into a win, And this guy literally backed into a win. Like, there's no other way of saying it. He didn't earn a win. He was more than two seconds back on the last lap. The first two guys get dumped. And he gets the win. And uh, Reddick almost beat him to the line, by the way. So, a win's a win. Can't take it away from him. He was in position, I guess, in third. And when a mistake happened, he capitalized. I get that. But you can't then on the mic say, and this is a quote, doesn't matter how you get them, just so long you get them. And then say, I can win on any any surface here on Bristol, baby. No, you can't win on any surface in Bristol. You can luck into a win on the dirt in Bristol. 
You couldn't have won that race. A few uh, years ago, when Kyle Busch swept uh, the entire, all the series at, uh, at Bristol, I gave him credit. Hell of a weekend, hell of a driver. But he didn't win on any surface at Bristol. That, that's trash. And then to compare himself to Dale Sr. was insulting. Absolutely insulting. <clears throat> Dale Sr. would whoop this kid's butt. He would push him all over the racetrack. I, I was just so disheartened. When Kyle Busch won, my initial reaction was, ah, crap, Kyle Busch won. But then I thought, you know what? Give him a chance. Let's see. Obviously, he's going he's gonna to say, well, you know, I got luck in... The way he reacted was so repulsive and repugnant that it just cemented the fact that this guy is a horse's you-know-what. I need to move on from this point simply because I can't take any more thinking about Kyle Busch. It gets me too worked up. Number four. So for my fourth takeaway, I want to break down the Reddick versus Briscoe uh, wreck in further detail. So, Reddick had the best car and deserved the win. And Reddick said he had raced that wrong, and I agree with him. He said that he should have had better clearance so that Briscoe couldn't have gotten under him. I actually disagree. I think he should have seen the dive bomb coming. Everyone saw the slide job coming. And he should have let Briscoe go because Briscoe was going into that wall no matter what. It just happened that Reddick was on the outside of him when it happened. If Reddick had seen the dive bomb and just crossed him over, he would be we'd be talking about him in victory lane. And I would have one less point to talk about on my podcast this week. But it is what it is. It happened. You know, Briscoe has a win. Reddick has been up front in almost every race this year. It's bound to happen. Reddick has good equipment. He's a very good driver. He's going to, to eventually crack that, that first win. And when he does, hopefully it's on a real track and not some gimmick that NASCAR came up with. So that said, I got to give some respect to Briscoe. I thought what he did was dirty. And uh, I, I was unpleased to see him take out Reddick. But after the race... He took off his helmet, he walked over, politely waited for the interview to be over, and faced the music, whatever that music was going to be. He didn't know if Reddick was going to come out swinging or say it was all right, but he faced the music like a man. And last week I was complaining about uh, about uh, Gibbs throwing haymakers with his helmet on like a little coward. Briscoe did the the manly thing, and I appreciate that. What I don't appreciate is Reddick's response to it. Shaking his hand and saying, it's okay, I understand, that shows a lack of competitive spirit in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying that Reddick had to throw hands. I get it, but he basically told the rest of the, the field Hey, if you run me over, it's fine. I'll just take it. No big deal. 
Again, I'm not saying I wanted to see if, well, I should take that back. I wouldn't have been upset had I seen a fist fight. It's always kind of fun to watch guys brawling on pit road. But there's plenty of better ways to handle that. Especially when you know that the camera's right there. So for Reddick to really bow down to Briscoe showed me a lack of, of competitive spirit that I think will hurt him in the future. Also in the future, how, if he does get mad at a driver, how, how can you justify that? When Briscoe literally cost you a win and you didn't get mad, I don't see how you could possibly get angry at another driver. So with that, I think it's time that we get on to trending with McKenzie. What do you have for us today, McKenzie? Here's what's trending in NASCAR with McKenzie. Welcome to Trending with McKenzie, but it's also just fun facts and cool things. Before I give you the answers to the questions from last week, I want to tell you this story. In 1986, at the Talladega Super Speedway, Don Crowder somehow got out of the stands and stole the pace car before the race and drove it around the track until the police had to chase him down, take him out of the car, and arrest him. That's funny, but I wonder how he got out of the stand and stole it. Now, here are the answers to the last podcast. Number one, who is the richest NASCAR driver? Dale Earnhardt Jr. Number two, how much does it cost to race a car in NASCAR? It will cost a team around $125,000 to $150,000. Number three, how much is NASCAR Carl Edworth worth? $70 million. And here are the new questions for this week. Number one, how many laps is a Food City dirt race? Number two, how big is the Bristol Motor Speedway? And number three, which NASCAR driver has the most wins. Try to answer these without looking them up. Bye. Great job, Mackenzie. Thanks for sharing, and I look forward to hearing the answers to your questions next week. Let's move on to the next and final point. Number five. Lastly, looking forward to next week, Talladega Super Speedway. I'm excited to get back to real racing I'm excited for Talladega. It's always one of the best races of the year. Always one of the most exciting finishes of the year. And in the rotating booth of commentators, Fox is going to have Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the booth. So that will be cool. Uh, I'm not sure how they pulled that off with um, uh, Dale works for NBC. So I guess they obviously they figured it out somehow. But I'm excited to to see it. It's such a massive track. I, I saw a meme. The last three short track races, Richmond, Martinsville, and Bristol, plus any one of the 1.5 miles, like Texas, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Kansas, those four racetracks could fit in the infield at Talladega. So I'm really excited 
Uh, I'm interested to see the new car at a super speedway. I know we saw it at Daytona, but Talladega is so different with its wider racing surface and steeper banks. Curious to see what that will do. Uh, if I had to predict, I'm going to say Kyle Larson gets the win. I just think that we're too far into a season without Kyle Larson getting a win. You know he's good for at least two or three wins, if not more than that. So I'm excited to see, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm predicting that Larson uh, gets the uh, monkey off his back this week at Dega. And I'm hoping that it's Joey Logano that gets the win. So we will see. I know Bubba Wallace is always a top performer at Talladega, and that will certainly tick some people off. I don't know why, but it will. Uh, but I look forward to seeing it. So thanks for taking the time to listen to the top five. Please don't hesitate to check us out at patreon.com forward slash the top five, all spelled out. Please check out our Facebook page, The Top 5, or send me an email, connorbruin at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-O-R-B-R-U-E-N at gmail.com. I love to talk racing. I love to hear other people's opinions, whether I agree with them or not. Whether you agree with me or not, we can always have a fun, spirited conversation about racing. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Top 5. And I am Kyle.